In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As each year at this Mass, we hear the Gospel reading of the prodigal son from the Gospel of St. Luke. And I tell you that today will probably be a very different look, and actually most certainly is a different look at an aspect of this wonderful prodigal that our Lord tells of the prodigal son, because today we don't look as much at the two sons as much as we look at the father. And one particular action that we see of the father, that when the son comes to his father and asks for his inheritance so that he can go and live out his desires outside of the order of the household, what does the father do? Let's him go. He gives him over to his desires. He gives him over to his passions. But to understand the posture of God, which has been the posture of God with his people from the garden. To understand his posture, we have to hear first the words of blessed St. Paul from our epistle reading today in 1 Corinthians in chapter 10, where he teaches us, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock, he says, was Christ. St. Paul here, of course, referring to God's deliverance of his people from being enslaved to the nation of Egypt and under their brutal oppressor, Pharaoh, as they would pass through the waters of the Red Sea. And the apostle most certainly is revealing the wondrous reality that this event back then was a type of that which would be perfectly fulfilled in and through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's see this for a moment. Back then, God's people were in bondage, great bondage, and suffering from the bondage of an oppressor. We, my friends, were in great bondage and suffering since the fall to the oppressor, Satan. God sends them a deliverer, Moses, to free them. Christ our God takes on our humanity and is sent to us to be our deliverer from bondage. God harshly throws down the nation, the entire nation of Egypt, the nation of the oppression of his people. And upon the cross, our Lord Jesus Christ casts down and overcomes the powers and the principalities that held us captive since the fall. And God brings his people to himself as they pass through the waters of the Red Sea. And through those waters, God's enemy would be entirely obliterated. We pass through waters as well, the waters of our baptism where God also brings us to himself and into himself. And our enemy is cast down from us. Our sin nature is put to death. Our sins are forgiven. And we rise coming through those waters as God's resurrection people to follow him and worship him in the wilderness of this life. And there's more here that St. Paul mentions. As he's clearly teaching us that once they pass through those waters, he says they ate of spiritual food. He's referring to the manna in the desert. 
And as we are baptized into Christ, joined to follow him in this wilderness, we also eat the spiritual food of the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Or do we forget that in the Gospel of St. John in chapter 6, our Lord declares, I was that manna. I am your bread of life. And St. Paul says they drank spiritual drink, water from the rock to sustain their lives through the wilderness. Christ is our rock and living waters flow from him on our behalf. I must be speaking truth to dim the lights as we're happening. <laughs> and actually, I think it's because of God. If you would scoot over just a little bit in the back, I think you made a bump the lights. Thank you, my friend. St. <laughs> Paul is setting the stage here, setting the scene to not only have us remember all all that he has granted to his people that come into him, all that he has given us for our life and salvation. But I have to tell you, based on what Paul says next, is that he's also setting the stage to give a profound and very serious warning to God's people who are in Christ. That we might learn from Israel's grave errors in the wilderness after they had truly become God's people. Listen to his words in verse 6. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, and do not become idolaters as some of them became. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. <clears throat> Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by the serpents. Nor complain, as some of them complained, as were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all of these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition. Upon whom the ends of the ages has come. Even after all that God had done for his people Israel, Israel over and over again followed their will, followed their own will, their own passions, their own desires, and became adulterous to the Lord their God who had released them from bondage. They let their fears and their anxiousness and their will and desires be the rudder and the wind and the sails of their lives. And they removed themselves from the protected order of God that would benefit them most greatly and keep them in the posture of following him through the wilderness that he might lead them to the paradise of the promised land. My friends, one of the greatest and most true statements by St. Paul that should grant us the most holy and reverent and healthy fear. The type of fear that moves the soul into Christ and refuses to leave. See, that's holy fear. Not fear that has us run away from God. Holy fear that presses us into Him all of our days. And what is that statement that St. Paul makes? And he makes it in Romans chapter 1. That statement is this. And God gave them over. And God gave them over to their passions. To their will. To their desires. He says this no less than three times in Romans chapter 1. 
And in each time he says it, he shows how God gave them over to certain passions. Let's hear the words of blessed St. Paul. From Romans 1, chapter 20, chapter 1, verse 24, excuse me. Therefore God gave them up to uncleanness, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. When St. Paul says God gave them over to uncleanness, that word uncleanness is awfully similar to the very same word that describes how the prodigal son spent down his inheritance. It says that he went and spent, his, spent down his inheritance in unclean, riotous, drunkenness. Think of anything you can think of outside of the order of the father's house. And this is how he spent down his inheritance. And St. Paul says God gave his people over to this very thing. Here's the second time he says this. Verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. God gave them over to their disordered passion sexually. Now the third time he says it, and he gives us a rather exhaustive list. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness. And here's the exhaustive list. Sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, that is strife between one another and strife between others, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. What a list. And God gave them over to all of these things. You see, when it says God gave them over, it's saying he gave them over to their will and desire to depart his order in any and all of these ways. My friends, it is a fearful thing, that statement, that God would give us over to any of these things based on our desire and our will. And yet... It points to the most important aspect of the only kind of faith that saves the soul that there is in truth and reality. Because faith, salvation itself, is entirely founded and encompassed in absolute relationship, loving relationship, with the living and very real God who created us and all things for us. And created all of these things to share everything that he is with us. And this salvation depends on the will of God always moving toward us to pursue us. To bring us to himself and save us. To grant us benefits unfathomable. And there is never one second in eternity that God is not ever willing himself toward us. It's also dependent on something else. 
our will, responding to what he is offering and moving towards him and remaining in him all of our days. Because true loving and real experienced relationship only occurs when two wills move towards one another and honor one another's will. There is no other love. There is no other love. And we see this played out in the parable of the prodigal son. Remember this story. The son has his full sonship in the house of the father because he belongs to the father. And he enjoys every benefit of the father's house in that order. And the son comes to the father and he asks the father, Father, give me my inheritance. I want to go experience things not only outside of your house, but outside of even this country. What is the father's response? What happens? The father lets him go. The father gives the son over to his desire and will. And what is the result of what transpires? As the son goes, we are told that you have the absolute diminishing of the son's most true personhood. The, the diminishing of his experience in this life. The wasteful, lustful living and blowing of the inheritance until he wastes away to almost absolutely nothing, barely even human anymore. And only then, thanks be to God, only then does he wake up. Does he come back to his true self, seeing what he has become, that there's not any further to go that direction. Only then does he pick himself up in great humility. Cast his eyes back to the father's house that lead him there. But he comes in the humility now saying, Father, I'm not worthy to even be called your son. Let me just come in as a servant for the servants there are better fed, better treated. And their experience is profoundly greater than my current experience. And yet when he approaches the father's house, the same father who gave him over to his passion who gave him over to such destructive living, rushes out to meet him, puts a robe around him, calls for people to put sandals on his feet, puts the ring of sonship back on his son, completely restoring his sonship in a snap. And then he calls for the grandest celebration to take place because the son he thought was dead had come back alive. My friends, the will of the father is always to restore our sonship. That we enjoy absolutely every benefit he has created and so ordained for us. But the son had to will back to the father for that restoration to take place. I want to leave you with the words of St. Paul just a little earlier in Romans 1, beginning in verse 21. Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. My friends, it all comes back to the question our Lord gave us last week. What's governing our souls? What is the wind and the sail of our souls? 
But I tell you, even this morning, it's even more than that. Towards the end of the week, my mind went to these things as they occasionally have, and all of those serving up here, we were actually discussing it before Mass. Our Lord Jesus Christ, in Matthew 24, he told his disciples, he told his followers, his people, look for the signs of my return. Look for the signs of my return. And he gives them a number of things. But understand this. When he told them to look for the signs of his returning, he knew that their seeing the signs of his returning would not tell them the day of his return. For no one knows that. And we're told that plainly in Scripture, even the Son of God. But yet he said, watch for the signs. Why? Because the signs would point to the fact that I am coming, and I am coming very soon. The signs are to move us with holy and righteous love, love response to love, and fear response to the holiness of God, to move ourselves into Him. And I look around this world, and the signs that our Lord Jesus Christ mentioned in Matthew 24 are resounding and very loud. He said there would be pestilence. He said there would be violent eruptions among the nations and cultures, and nation would move against nation. He goes even further. He said there will be earthquakes. Did you not hear what just happened in Haiti yet again? A dynamic, manifold earthquake that rocked and shook their world of great destruction. And do you not understand that in the last 10 years, when you look at earthquake studies, there have been three times the amount of earthquakes in the last 10 years than ever that they have been tracking them. And the magnitude of these earthquakes are twice as harsh as ever before. Why do I tell you these things? Out of love for you. My friends, this is not a time. This is not a time to put God in a position of giving us over to anything where we would leave the order of the house of God. This is the time for God's people to wake up and become true sons and daughters of the living God. That they may experience the kingdom of God absolute in this life and also be expressors of the kingdom of God to those who are looking. Because the world is shaking and the fish want to jump in the boat of the ark of salvation where they will get safe and at peace and shown order rather than disorder. In the name of the Father. Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.